0: Hey guys, it's your boy Banner with Banner's Podcast and my baby girl just chose a movie. She so
1: actually been doing her homework trying down movies for you guys, you know what I'm saying? Whoever be liking this
2: shit. Ooh, I think we need to catch up. we need to finish the fucking Mandalorian. Hi guys. All
3: love you hit
1: The
0: birthday
3: girl. and here is her brother, Nick. <laughs> That's cute. In 1994, 13-year-old Nicholas Barkley disappeared from San Antonio, Texas. Why the fuck? I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need Texas. Just.
4: It
2: gives you nightmares. It really does. His disappearance never made it wasn't news to them. It was just news to us. <laughs>
4: It came to the point where, you know, you're not going to find him alive, but you just want to find what happened to him. Oh, shit. Three years or four months
3: after the disappearance. Lanier, Spain, October 7, 1997. Police, go ahead. My wife and me are here as tourists. We found a kid. About 14, 15 years old. No ID, no documents on him.
2: He's
3: very scared.
2: They called me at work when I wasn't there, and they wrote a message and said, someone from Spain has Nicholas. He wants to come home.
4: My mom called me I was at work. And she says, are you sitting down? You're not going to believe this.
0: Of course, it was mysterious. It was uh, exciting. It was worrisome. Uh, It was all mixed emotions, you know? Ecstatic.
4: Bewildered? You know, Spain? Isn't that like across the country? Um, How did he get there? You You have like a hundred thousand questions that you want answered immediately. I'm wonderful. I'm excited. You want to see him, touch him. (coughs) You know what I mean? (coughs) You want it all to happen now.
3: looks like they've been in the same house from the pictures that they're showing of this kid and then from them doing the interviews looks like the same house house.
1: oh shit Spawn.
3: Espana
5: someone else someone who was acceptable the most important thing for me and what I learned very fast was to be convincing when the police arrived I have immediately to put into their mind that they have a kid in front of them, not an adult. So it was very important for me to behave like one.
3: Wait, what?
5: They would see me with in, in a big coat, with uh, younger clothes, and they would see a kid with a hat which is very low in the eyes. Couldn't see my eyes.
3: What are
1: you
3: doing here alone?
5: I wanted to provoke on them a sense of guilt. Aquilo, aquilo. From being adults and to be close to a kid which is dead scared when you see a kid that you know get nervous reflexes that you can't touch him you can't approach him then you understand you understand that something is wrong I wasn't the one who was telling them I've been sexually abused. I made them ask me that. By my attitude, by my way of doing things, they were the one who were thinking about it. And that gave me power.
1: What's your name? <coughs> What's your name? Where do you
3: live? Do so so you live with your parents? I didn't speak much.
1: dinos tu nombre.
5: It's very hard to, to, to read a kid that doesn't speak a word sometimes.
3: Como te llamas? Mm-hmm.
5: Solo
3: dinos tu nombre.
5: If a cop don't know who a kid is and where it come from, he just can't take, keep it in the police station. And I knew that uh, eventually they would have to put me into a children's home. And that's all all I want. Nobody ever gave a damn about me. And to know that if I change my identity, the reward was eventually to be put in a place where actually they really cared about me. And hell yeah, I mean, I was reborn. <laughs> I was born again. Uh, no, sir. Nobody ever gave me a childhood because to give a kid a childhood, you need to, to love that kid. I felt like I belonged there. They didn't know that I was 23. 23 years old. Wow. I was considered like one of them.
2: him to be home by dinner and gave him five bucks to go
0: play basketball he took off he called home asking for a ride uh, which was probably I don't know he's within a couple miles from his house and uh, his mother works late and sleeps during the day and uh, his older brother Jason uh, answered the phone when I woke up
2: Jason was there and said that he had called and wanted to ride home but Jason didn't want to wake me up so told me I had to walk home and that's was the day the last time we heard from him
4: you spend 24 hours crying sick worried um Then you get mad, then you get scared, and then you try to get empowered. You know, okay, what can we do? We have to do flyers. We'll do this. We'll, you know. So instead of, for you don't cry, you do something positive. Mm -hmm. You try to work towards, I guess, a solution, a a finding. What is your problem? I
2: thought somebody offered him a ride. Are you get married? Any guy in the car? No, I think he would have gotten in the car.
1: <laughs>
3: <coughs> that cake is going on your face. Don't let us. I can
6: see. Don't worry, cake
0: going on your face too. The pain they were going through. We're
1: like, yeah. cake, we're going to make yeah. sure We just have pies,
7: nigga. All <laughs> <laughs> that whipped cream in that bitch.
1: Food fight. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
7: <laughs>
3: everybody <laughs> You
7: better bring your clothes
5: on. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, it was one of those places, which is very rare in Spain, where actually they can't stand having a kid with no identity card, uh, no proof of who he is. They wanted absolutely to know who I was, where do I come from? They needed to know precise. <laughs> if you don't tell us, if you can prove us who we are, and you have your fingerprinted printed and your <coughs> I couldn't allow that to happen. I had to find a way out of that. So the only, only thing left there was, was one, go to prison, two, Proof to them that I'm someone. <coughs> they said that I was American, that uh, I ran away, and I was willing <coughs> to contact my family for them. But I wanted to do it myself. <coughs> I didn't want my family to receive a phone call from the police or the prosecutor or the judge in Spain. I wanted to do it myself. And I said we need to be in an office for the night because I live in the States. The States is, uh, you know, the times is different. It's uh, so, um,
2: you well, know, this is in the office. I'm
5: yes, you around, look like a I've fucking caber, bro.
3: He was 23 when he was picked up by the cops. Ooh.
7: <coughs> I this it's not the real nigga talking.
3: Yeah.
5: <coughs> In this surface, nobody could hear me. I knew that I could pass myself for anyone on the phone. I could convince anyone of anything.
1: See?
5: So I called American police. And it's Detective Fowler. The New York police.
6: Lieutenant Kojak's
5: office. Different police station in the States.
6: Don't be Who is this place?
5: I told them every time that there was a policeman from Spain called Jonathan Dorian, that he had found a kid. We're sure that he's from the state, but we don't know where. How long ago was it? He's been maybe missing for a few years. Someone must be looking for it. So the police say, well, no, we got hundreds of posters of missing persons in the wall, and we just can't go through each of them. But what we can do for you is to give you the number of the Center for Missing and Exploited Children of Arlington, Virginia. Center for
1: Missing and Exploited Children, the and how may I help you? (coughs)
5: Uh, we have a kid in a shelter, certainly is American, he's about 14, 15 years old, the problem is we don't know who he is, we don't know I who I described is, myself, every details I gave was details that I know that I could handle. I wanted to be vague enough for her to look at many different things, I wanted her to <coughs> have many possibilities.
1: Let me just take a look here.
5: I got maybe something, she said, maybe, you know. We got a kid from San Antonio missing since June 13, 1994. His name is Nicholas Barclay. I said, could you send me a fax of uh, of what he looked like? In my head, I was just a police officer with with, with Nicholas Barclay next to me, trying to confirm his identity, and like any other policeman would do. Let's see if it's him. I thought, let's see if it's him. I look at it, black and white picture, old picture. Well, be missing for three or four years, guarantee one thing, there will be a change. Mm -hmm. If there is a change, there will be doubt. If there is doubt, then I got a chance. Something in my head decided that I could do it, that I had to try I took the phone and I told her that this is Nicholas. We got him. It's him. It's incredible.
1: It's Mm. him.
3: Ridiculous. (laughs)
1: Ridiculous.
4: (coughs) My mom called me. (coughs) She says, are you sitting down? You're not going to believe this. And I said, what, mom? She goes, the... Police department just called me, and they think they found Nicholas and Leonardo. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, where in Texas is Leonardo? So oh, Texas Lord. Texas has a lot of small town. Oh, <laughs> and he like, done. no, Spain. I'm like, Spain?
2: Did this one come
4: back? Oh, God, I had to explain the emotions.
1: Yeah.
4: It's like all these different emotions. It's like from excitement to bewilderment to what do we do, what's the next step, how do we get them, when do we get to talk to them, I knew that
5: after that, they would contact me. They would try to verify, to call, to see, is it true, is it here, is it, you know, Terry the family and all that.
4: Well, when I first got, you know, got a hold of the shelter, they uh, put me on the phone with Jonathan Duran, who said that he worked for the, the shelter and, that he was the one who was talking with Nicholas and had got the information from Nicholas on who he really was.
5: When she called, I said that Nicholas was sitting next to me, that he was very scared, he was very traumatized and he didn't want to talk to no one. He
4: sounded very responsible, very concerned. Claims that he's been abused, that he's been hurt, that suddenly uh, he's been abducted. I kind of thought he was like a social worker type of person, um, I'm very reassuring. She said, "Is he saying
5: anything? Is he talking about us? Does he remember?" But actually, I
4: think he forgot about everything. <coughs> uh, he doesn't remember very much. He remembers you, but not very much. We were told he was held by some kind of like a sex slave kind of ring, and that he had escaped from there. And that he was found wandering the streets.
5: She was heartbroken, but at the same time, she was very happy. I wanted to hear his voice. No, I, absolutely, there was no way I was going to talk to her pretending to be Nicholas because I wasn't Nicholas and she was his sister. So uh, that, w- that would have been a risk, too big a risk for me. But I did say a few words. She said, Hello, Nicholas. You're in me, Nicholas. Nothing. I love you, Nicholas. I want to take you back home with me. I'm going to take you, baby. I'm going to come and get you. And maybe you're here. I love you. And something like that, you know, and very far away. Is it? And then she said, was it him? I said, yes, yeah, I love you. Oh, and then she started crying on the phone.
4: Well, you start crying, and you tell them we're gonna come get you and bring you home. We'll get there. We're gonna bring you home, and I love you too.
3: I um.
2: Bro, this is I brain.
4: What do you
3: say?
5: Stop because I didn't think of stopping. I didn't watch myself in the mirror and say what the fuck are you doing stop <laughs> I'm at
3: 23 years old hey, what the
5: fuck you're doing I
3: realized
5: that I crossed the line now I wasn't pretending no more to have another identity I stole
1: mine. Pretty
7: much, right?
8: I got a phone call. Would you please call a Carrie Gibson? Mm
1: -hmm.
8: Well, I was astounded by what Carrie said. So the one of the first things I said to her was when the FBI and the US State Department assist you and uh, get you and your brother back here, I have to interview him immediately. Especially
3: since
9: you just said, first of all, you're a missing kid. When the welfare of a minor uh, is in jeopardy, our reaction has to be very quick. Uh, very responsive uh, we have to put ourselves in the position of uh, the child or uh, the child's parents or guardians
8: generally when a child is said, missing the... for years either the child is dead oh, dear, 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 dear. or the child is not found <coughs> and to find that child in another <coughs> country is extremely rare
9: that made it all the more compelling for us to make sure that we did everything right in terms of uh, establishing who he was and getting him back to
8: his family. My main concern was getting them back so that my part could start, the investigation could start, we could find out what had happened to this child.
9: I sent somebody out there as quickly as possible.
5: The next day, yeah. Next day, it got beyond my control the Center for Missing and Exploited Children, sent me a flyer, with the picture of Nicholas at the time of his disappearance. (coughs) And I saw what really Nicholas looked like, really, with colors and everything. He was very brown, very... He had blue eyes. He, He looked nothing like me. Nothing. Just, you know, the only thing he had in common with me was that he had five fingers at each chance. And I said, fuck, let's burn myself. You know, I burned the flyer. And if I could have burned the identity that I said, and every word that had been out of my mouth for the past few days, I would have burned them too.
3: Too late now.
5: When. Everyone told me that the American embassy is coming and uh, everybody, <laughs> you know, and don't worry, Nicholas, we're going to take care of you. Well, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I I, couldn't do nothing. The only thing I could do was to think of how I was going to be the prison where I was going to be. I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do.
9: When the vice-consul first arrived in Linares, he got to to the center and found that Nicholas Barkley had disappeared. I said, you've got to try to find him. So he essentially, with somebody from the uh, Linares Center, went around looking for him. Priority was his safety and to make sure he was reunited with the family.
5: I tried to run away like I would do anywhere else. Nicholas Barkley? God didn't want me to leave this place.
9: When I spoke with the Vice Consul and I asked him about his interactions with Nicholas Barkley, he, he reported at the time that he spoke English. That he he was he was at least at that moment convinced that this was an American.
5: Well, I woke up the next morning. Everything was normal.
1: Yeah,
5: uh, and so uh, the director of the shelter that said, uh, "Well, you know." You must be happy. Your sister is in the way. (laughs) So, I say, what do you mean? I say, well, your sister, uh, you know, uh, from San Antonio. She's on the plane. She's coming to get you.
4: Fuck. You know, fuck, 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 fuck. I never left the country. I didn't know even what it entailed. 12 or 14, I knew my mom couldn't handle the fight. She can't. She couldn't do it. I have to do this. I just got to go get him and get him back here where he's safe. I should have thought of it.
5: I should have thought of the consequences. If you do that, imagine for a second that you're the the father of a kid that's been missing for three years and four months and that they find him in Colombia. Uh, What would you do? What would be the first thing you would do? I would jump on a fucking plane.
4: I didn't sleep for two days before I got on the plane. Fear, but also anticipation. Because you want to get there, get there, get there. You want to see him, hold him, smell him. Just get there. You can't prepare to play a role that,
5: a person that you don't know. I couldn't be Nicholas Barclay because I didn't know Nicholas Barclay. I didn't even know at that moment if he was left or right hand.
4: <laughs> so. That was a problem. I got on a plane. And tried to sleep. Didn't work.
2: <laughs> oh, damn. What baby? See you niggas here. I didn't know if you was left-handed or right-handed. <laughs> well <would>
1: you niggas are just dead.
2: Fucking little sweetheart. He thought he was an adult. Even. We called him 13 going on 30. <laughs> Very difficult to discipline him. If he made up his mind he was going to do something, pretty much there wasn't, wasn't a lot you could do. I think that's just the 90s of
4: that, He had run away before for a night or two. Mad at oh mom, I'm God. leaving. I'll find a new mom, a new home. Kiss my ass kind of thing and... He, you know, and he would leave, and she would hunt him down and find out where he is, and he'd show up the next day. He was not, um, you know, this perfect, nice, sweet, innocent. He was a very street smart city boy. Mm-hmm. It's
1: nice to meet you. I am
2: Isn't that
1: beautiful?
2: Oh. Beautiful <laughs> Kind of look like um, a little pixie.
4: He had blonde hair, blue eyes, and a bit of a gap between his teeth when he smiled. You could see it. not oh. mine. Mm, ground. Like the who, who, who am I looking like... for? What do these people look like? They Should they be in suits? Oh, damn, you can smoke here. Thank God. <laughs> the air smelled different. Um, it was a lot less crowded than I thought.
1: Fuck,
2: bitch. Well, it's Spain, niggas. I, I probably think Spain would be I busy as fuck, too. I could.
5: To give myself a chance. <laughs>
2: I'm just saying.
5: I bought a product to color my hair totally blonde.
4: Wow! The gentleman and a lady approached me, because I wasn't sure where to go. And we went straight into a, a car and started driving.
5: On the flyers, it said that Nicholas Barclay had three tattoos. There was a girl inside the shelter that did small tattoos, just like that. She was no pro, she was just a kid. And I asked her to put those tattoos that were on the flyers on me. I
4: was quiet. And that's when the lady started talking to me. She kept my mind busy that's explaining the countryside to me the whole way down there on the drive. Oh. I
5: took big sunglasses, I took a hat, I took a scarf, I took a glove. I thought that if she couldn't see me then she wouldn't be able to see i a brother.
4: We stopped for a Coca-Cola, which I thought was really cool They had Coke there. And it was the anxiety of how long it was taking. The tourist shit is crazy.
5: Minutes before she arrived, I was convinced it was finished, that I was going to get arrested and maybe beat up also because they were not going to be happy about it.
4: I remember going into like a waiting area. I'm speaking with a couple people from the home, saying that he was in his room. He had been locked in his room all day. He wouldn't let anyone
5: go in there. Finally, when I heard someone knocking at the door and said, Hey, Nicholas, your sister is, is downstairs. And she's waiting for you. She's there.
4: Went downstairs and into, like, a courtyard. There were some kids playing, like, ball against a wall. And uh, looked up at the window and told him, I'm here. Come here. You know, when I want to see you. I want to hold you. And I remember seeing him look out the window.
5: I'm sure that. As soon as the sister was going to see me, she was going to say, but the the fuck is that? You know, (laughs) that's not not Nicholas. I waited maybe 10 minutes. I knew I was about to lose everything. I knew that I couldn't wait no more, that I couldn't go away, that I couldn't just disappear. So I opened the door and I went down.
1: hell
4: no. Just a sense of immense relief. Bro, he dyed his hair. He tattooed. Seeing, touching, kissing, holding him. The hell, you know? He's here. We're here. I have him.
5: She didn't even wait a second or two seconds. She jumped on me. She jumped on me. She took me in in her arms and she said, Nicholas, oh, and you were afraid I wouldn't recognize you. I would remember that nose.
4: So I just, I remember touching his nose and telling him, um, um, I remember that nose, you she kind of look like your Uncle Pat.
5: She said that, don't worry, like she always said, everything is going to be fine,
4: everything is going to be perfect. I know it's you. He was just, just basically told me he loved me, and he didn't say a whole lot until... All the
5: people left. Only God knows why she would do something like that. But, but I know one thing for sure is there was no other way. She came for me and she wanted me back. We went to the visit, <coughs> and she showed me dozens of pictures, pictures, pictures. You remember this was with mom the, the house we were living in before you you went missing remember this was uh, when you were playing with Cody. you remember this was and
4: he was like jason looks the same cody's gotten pretty big huh mom god mom looks exactly the same she got put on weight um won't you know if grandpa was still an asshole um told me how much he loved grandma and he missed her well, I remember seeing the tattoo, the cross between his, you know, right here on his hand. And I just just kept thinking how much he looks like Uncle Pat and how Mom was going to be really surprised how tall he was.
2: She said that he looked very different. That he had, you know, grown up. And uh, he's very quiet, you know, kind of held back. He talked
4: with a funny accent, but it was always in a whisper, very quiet, like he was hiding from something. I mean, God, look what he had been through. He wasn't the same person. He wasn't the same Nicholas that disappeared four years before. He had been held and tortured and God knows what else. He wasn't that same person. That's how they got, that's how. oh my
7: God. He's twenty-three. So he's twenty-three. Supposed to be eighteen. isn't it? the judge and the
9: to was make 18. sure that there was in fact some legal basis know, he, he for Nicholas missing for four years, huh? Carrie uh, Gibson's yeah, uh, he lost was,
5: brother. He was so now the the problem was that they had the sister and the embassy official that were swearing that I was Nicholas Barclay, and there was the police and the prosecutor and the judge
9: who were not convinced at all the judge insisted on separate interviews Sir? and part of the evidence that was in those interviews was a family photo album
1: and
5: the judge said listen the only way for you to prove that it's you really Nicholas we got pictures here that you've never seen
3: before no you just she just showed them to you i'm going to show you five of them number one okay
5: Number two okay. number three okay. and number four again. On the five one, I made a mistake. But it was too late. She was already convinced I was Nicholas Barclay.
2: Where's
9: it so, At that point, I didn't see how I could not document
3: it. At his this situation. point, did nobody see his hair? Like, at all, before he dyed it?
5: I would not have been able to do anything if Gary did Nobody show me noticed these he didn't have
3: a no fucking tattoo?
5: They took bro. a picture of me. He was covered, I no so was <laughs> Which was, you know, they saw my eyes. So eyes will be
3: covered all over. i under the
5: Constitution of the United States. I swear to be a US citizen. And I, you know, <laughs> it wasn't real, but I did it.
3: <laughs> show me the picture, bro. What is my picture? Ta! That was the picture? Are you kidding me? Wow.
4: Wow.
1: (laughs) God damn.
4: We didn't do a whole lot of talking the night before we got on the plane. Not uncomfortable, just silence. And it was almost like a peaceful silence.
3: You know, I can hear him breathing. Oh, does. No. pretty. Oh, no, sir. Peaceful. Oh, no. Hey, you're still covered. You still got all that shit out. Okay. I've been thinking about running away even, even before I met her.
5: All I gotta do was take a taxi cab and going to a train station, buy myself a ticket out of Spain. I could have done that in a couple of minutes. Nothing was stopping me, nothing. I went down a few times on the hallway, always wondering if I was doing the right thing, the wrong thing. Should I go? Should I go? Should I go? Should I go? When I was born, I don't think there was much love. My mother was very, very young at the time she and was, she was only 17 years old, met an older man, which was my father from, from Algeria. My grandfather was a very racist person and knowing that the man that my mother spent the night with is an Algerian, wanted absolutely my, my mother to have an abortion, uh, to, to get rid of me, even before I was born. For him, uh, an Arab should be dealt with a nuclear weapon and a black man is a monkey. Before I was born, I definitely had the wrong identity. Uh, I I'd already didn't know, I was already prepared not to know who I really was. A new identity with a real passport, an American passport. So you're telling
7: me this a nigga half black?
5: go to school there, live with that family, and, and just being someone Algeria. don't have never again mm. to worry about that Al- being identity. He said busload. I saw okay. the opportunity. Mm. He said
3: to him, the, the Muslim. A woman that
5: would go through so much with to the get me with,
3: uh, with her back. In, In a family which got kids, which a
5: fa- loving family, gotta be some somebody good, you know. I had conflicting rules inside my own head. <laughs> <laughs> the others are they gonna want me to be nicholas too
4: i didn't understand why he was so like nervous you know what i mean he was like you know constantly moving in the bathroom watching people watching me he was always watching me
5: she was always
4: looking at me i attested it to him just being scared you know he's going back home and we don't know what's happened to him, how his mind's working. That um, he was just maybe he was afraid that that he wouldn't be recognized or, or mom wouldn't love him anymore. I'm gonna get killed. And I, and, and I said, well, maybe the, the plan better crash. When they said it was time for board, I nudged Nick and I said, you ready? You ready to go home? So I'm ready to go home. I said, Let's get the fuck out of here. And go home.
3: <laughs> we got on the plane. Oh, my God, you still got on the plane.
2: I was really nervous, anticipation, pretty happy.
0: Yeah, we admit it It was a family thing. We all went together. Oh. I remember that night, minute by minute. It was me, my grandma, uh, my sister, and my dad, I believe. And we all loaded up in Lincoln to go get my mom and Nicholas. It was a wait and see but everybody was excited you know we we didn't know what to expect they all look so (laughs) tasty look at that it's so
3: pretty i didn't
5: want to go out of the plane i wanted to wait i wanted to prepare
3: myself there's video october 18
1: 1997. oh my god Hmm.
5: Oh I'm about to die. I didn't have no plan, I didn't have no strategy. I knew there was no way out. I could not turn back.
3: Oh my god.
2: We had no idea what kind of person we were getting. Maybe it was coming back. Oh, there they go. Oh no. I wanted to run and grab it only, but he held back. So I walked down and grabbed his hand and hugged him and told him I missed him. Oh, God. Oh, my God. You changed so much. It it was, like, mind-boggling. But then I realized, you know, you you tell yourself, well, he's been through all this horrendous stuff, so he's absolutely going to be different.
4: Oh, God. I just remember my kids and my mom and um, my Touching husband, and just, God, we were so happy. The
3: barber knows, bruh. Look at the barber. He was like totally
2: covered up. So then I got scared. Like, and then they, this kid's really messed up. Just by his appearance.
0: He was very quiet and uh, and, uh, standoffish.
5: I never liked people to touch me Uh, and I can change that. So when she put her hands around me, she must have felt that I wasn't enjoying it at all. I was very cold very closed, I didn't speak to people. As much as I was happy, I didn't show it. I I had a, a border in front of me. I didn't want to screw up.
3: You don't want to get caught. <laughs>
0: Look at that, how cool. well, of course it was uh welcome with open arms and let's get you home man to talk about the rest later you know. let's just go home they're so bad they're so bad. oh my god oh my
3: god why did i pick this why did you say no i don't bro no.
7: It's my fault. <laughs> oh,
3: <okay. laughs> Guys, we'll oh, be back.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a quiet ride home, you know, and everybody, you know, quiet but yet excited. I'm I off my face at that point in time. <laughs> Honestly, I just had a grin and all the way home. It was just a happy, good feeling, uh, long-lost Nicholas at home.
5: Mm. I had a family and even more. I never, I never dream of so much. I never dream to oh, be able is. to
3: Cold, not
5: only stay in a place where I'm loved, but yeah. actually to have a family.
1: Oh Lord! Come on, come back here. I'll
3: get fucked
6: up. Listen to your
3: Charlie,
5: come. Come here. Come back and lay down. Oh, when I woke up
3: in the Texas country,
5: <laughs> what I saw wasn't exactly what I
1: expected to see.
5: States for me was a big city with big buildings and and people everywhere.
3: Sure, you came to Texas. <laughs>
5: First thing when you open your eyes is official. your name is Nicholas Patrick Barclay that you're born December 31st, nineteen eighty, and that every family member. Nineteen eighty And not Nicholas, but
1: so what is you your no, Nicholas.
3: Okay, we're gonna seven, go shopping Nicholas. So you you were right. So sixteen, seventeen. Well, the, the, the tape said
5: 15. And he kept telling people 15. Drove me and, you know, I knew I had to recognize something. So, and I also knew that I couldn't because I'd never been there before. Hey, Kirk, how you We met some people that knew Nicholas before disappeared. I told them I didn't remember them. There was something, but I didn't remember them. Like, I lost my memory, which is what I told them.
2: He's traumatized, that's why he wasn't
5: remembering her, because he of all, all the things that had to to him. I remember a sign, I, I saw Nicholas in the picture doing this with his fingers, you know, his it's, it's way to say hello, you know. And I did it a few times with them when I was there. That was one of the only thing I knew what
3: to do. This thing I thought the throwing out the peace sign was a form of he saying
5: hello. would come back at his house any day. It is now. Really. That was my first worry. I was really worried about that. I couldn't help it. I said, "Man, what if he show up? What if he open the door and hey, 'Hey, I'm back.'"
2: <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> we thought the best thing for him was just to have a normal routine. You get up, you eat breakfast. When you do this, you eat lunch, you eat dinner, you watch movies, just a normal family atmosphere.
0: Me and him hung out. I'd just take him for drives and talk to him and turn up the music and stuff.
1: I listen to the wind, to the wind of my soul.
4: He'd hang out with Cody and his friends, and after school, they'd go to the park and play, and I mean, they would do. Yeah. What teenagers do. He actually kind of started liking a girl in the neighborhood, Amy, and they would wow. out and talk on the phone and he'd kind of get blushy red when we talked about her.
1: So the nigga had
5: time for Robert The only person I haven't met in the, in, the, in the Barclays family was um, Jason, his elder brother, the brother of Carrie. Uh, and finally he came to see me. He didn't look at me like Nicholas and he didn't pretend to look at me like Nicholas. And uh, he said, good luck to me. And he left.
1: I upon the lake. Wait, what are you there?
3: The oldest brother.
1: You say so he didn't live like
6: Nicholas?
3: No, he didn't, he didn't treat him like, to him over there. like, oh, hey, Nicholas, because blah, blah, blah. Like, like, he just carried on life. with life in itself. And he was like, well, good luck to you and yeah.
8: It's surprising because he hasn't been on him from the family saying, you know, Nicholas is back. Please come over and talk to us. We need help. And I felt like it was imperative that he be interviewed quickly. So i so to meet Nicholas at the San Antonio Missing Children's Center to conduct our first interview. I introduced myself to Nicholas and I told him why I was there. And that the purpose of this interview was to get his account of his kidnapping and for his assistance in locating his abductors. The only thing I knew about Nicholas was what I had read on some of the missing posters. Not that people can't change in three years, but this person in general did not appear to be 16. Uh He had a shadow of a beard, Uh a dark beard, that I doubt if Nicholas would have had a shadow of a dark beard at the age of 16 since he had blonde hair. He appeared to be quite nervous, and he just seemed very uncomfortable this entire time.
5: I told them that um, I was taken by military, overseas, that was abducted, put in a van and fly over to some places that I never knew where he was that uh, were kept in the room with different
0: kids. They get chloroformed and uh, they wake up and they're, you know, in in a place they don't know where they're at. They were subjected by
2: high-ranking military to sexual abuse.
8: Every night, all of the kids were raped and molested by men. These men were American, Mexican, and European. They
5: broke my hands. Uh, especially my right hand, he was a baseball bat. They kept burning him, giving him insects to eat. We were tortured.
0: He broke his fingers.
8: His left foot was broken with a crowbar.
0: I was raped. They keep these kids in line by um, doing military scare tactics. We were experimented on.
4: They would put needles in, in his eyes.
0: Headphones on their head, uh, screaming and yelling, uh, different languages.
8: Spanish kept playing over and over and a voice kept saying, you are not you. If he spoke English, he was beaten.
0: They moved these kids around in, in military planes. We never saw where we were going.
8: The boys' identities were changed by either changing the hair color, eye color, or other ways. They were always in uniform. The solution was put in his eyes. And
0: they sell him for money for sex.
8: His eye color was changed from blue to brown by the use of the solution.
5: The door wasn't shut. And then I left by the door, uh, I ran on the big hallway and there was a nice door. Somehow I managed to go outside and outside I ran, I ran, I ran. And hours after that I, I discovered that I was in Spain.
3: Know what exactly did happen, bruh? Tell me, tell to see, but it's so hard because you just fucking lie like, oh, uh, you
1: called,
3: which oh okay, is about 14 15 years old. He
1: doesn't
5: have no IDs, no documents on him, you can see he's very young and we talk is he's very scared. No, sir. She was professional, but you could see that she was uh, horrified.
8: This was a horrendous interview, and when I left, I was shaken by it because it had all the horrific emotional side effects that go with listening to such a story. You knew about this type of activity. I mean, a normal person doesn't sit down with a story and make up horrendous that's not what you that's not what you lie about. You, you don't go into detail about torture and the murdering of children or whatever. Sadistic None of that's normal.
0: He he was tortured. I mean, he had torture written on uh, he had broken hand that was never medically attended to. He walked with a limp, um, he had cigarette burns down the back of his head, uh, to the back of his ankles.
8: This person is either um, had been a victim himself or he uh, was a fantastic actor, and I didn't know which of those titles applied to him. I let them know that uh, I was very sorry about what had happened to them, that we were going to locate the people who had done this and put an end That's to the point. trauma that he'd been through.
1: The
3: fact that there was a last border slide here.
5: I won't. You know, the game is over words. Yes. everybody in the family is Nicholas Barclay. Nobody was investigating me. Nobody was suspicious that I know.
2: This nigga.
5: Hell, I was happy. I was, you know, I couldn't believe my life. Sir. Huh. My
6: name is Charlie Parker. I'm a private investigator. Hey, how are you doing? Say, I want you. I want you to do something for me. Mm. <laughs> <that's> my horse.
3: <laughs> Look at that.
6: I got a call in November, and uh, from a television producer for Hard Copy, and he said that a boy uh, who had been missing earlier for four years had turned up and he wanted me to track him down so they could get an interview with him. First I had to find out where his mother was, uh, found her, and then uh, we drove out to the north of San Antonio to do the interview. I had people gasted.
8: Please do not contact the media. If anything that Nicholas was telling us that was true, if any of it had any accuracy, if there was any military officer possibly involved, the last thing that we wanted it to be put was on the front page of the newspaper or on television so that that abductor would know something about our investigation
7: eyewitness news attempt. he disappeared without a
9: trace three years ago tonight <gasps> the san antonio boy is back home Nicholas Barclays now... Are you kidding years, me? He ...vanished when he was 13. Nicholas says he was kidnapped and taken to Spain. He says for three years he was repeatedly drugged, beaten, and raped, all part of a sex slave operation involving dozens of missing children.
0: Well, Bob, the FBI is not taking this case lightly. The reason? Somehow a 13-year-old boy from San Antonio ended up in Spain without a passport. June 19th, 1994, Nicholas got into a fight with his family, so he came here to Fort Sam Houston to play basketball. Two young boys approached him, he started talking. The next thing he knew, there was a cloth over his mouth, and Nicholas passed out. He claims his captors changed his
1: appearance to make him unrecognizable. He was no longer allowed to speak English. Did they rape you all every night?
5: Me? No. (laughs) Because they, they didn't rape me every night. Some of them, they like more. <laughs> Some of the kids, they like more. They rap them usually um, two or three times a week. I wanted the media's attention so that I would make Nicholas even more real, that people would really believe that I'm Nicholas. You're sick, bro. And they would love me even more for that.
6: You're sick. They set him up, uh, put a microphone on him and had the cameras on him, and I moved over behind the. Uh, uh, booth. And it was almost fate. Uh, uh, behind that booth uh, was a picture of the actual Nicholas Barclay. And I could look at that picture and look at him at the same time. And as I looked at the picture, I noticed that the boy had blue-gray-looking eyes and this man had brown eyes. It was a moment where the hair stood on the back of your neck and it and, uh, was just something wrong about it. Mm-hmm something was wrong I said can you get me a picture of his ears I need to get get that and uh, I had uh, read about Scotland Yard using that method to trace down a man uh, James Earl Ray that had killed Martin Luther King they caught him at Heathrow Airport by identifying his ears and I knew the ears were a, a, a means of probably a investigators
3: are spies
6: bro they really are spies they put the picture in my pocket and took it. Mm. When I got back to the office, I put the pictures in Adobe Photoshop.
3: Uh-uh. So look at that.
6: They, they were different ears. And so I knew right away that, that absolutely he was not Nicholas Barclay. I thought I had... here and take the place of another person. What would be his reason? I phoned Nancy Fisher. I said, this guy's a fan. Nancy
8: Fisher. It's not him.
6: (laughs) I said, the ears don't match.
8: And my comment to him was, "Um, you need to be very careful that you don't intrude on a federal investigation. People
6: aren't used to hearing you talk about somebody's ears. And I think she was taken back by that. She didn't know what I was talking about.
8: I thought I didn't have a right to question You know, their statement that this was their family member because how could could they be wrong? I mean, no one would be wrong about something like that.
6: What do they want? I've already got the fact that he doesn't have the same ears.
8: Why would you ever, ever take in a stranger? Not just a stranger from this country, but a stranger from another country who speaks with a French accent. This has to be Nicholas Barclay. It
6: was an outrageous thing. I cannot have talked to anyone that hasn't read about this that has said, wait a minute, I know my own kid. I know my own son. I can look in his eyes and tell. Mm-hmm. It's like when you go to a class with me.
5: American dream When I took that big yellow bus to go to school with others, with other students
3: Again, you're sick Many French adults go to American
5: schools for kids into a yellow bus That was impossible you could do that in the movie, you could do that in you, know, you can do that for real. I finally succeeded to become a kid again, official, with a passport, to have a second chance to be able this time to go to school and to succeed this time.
6: Well, he started back to high school. I really was for it. I didn't know what he was going to do. This was a case. I mean, a real case. Uh, this guy was was lying about who he said he was. And here the family was accepting him. I expected him any day to, to, to blow up something at the air base or do something Whoa. at the Army base.
3: Whoa. That's where you went?
8: I was pulling teeth trying to determine Mm. who would kidnap Nicholas, when and where and under what circumstances. Mm. had almost no information because all the information he gave us was very, very general. He couldn't give names, he couldn't give places, he couldn't give times, he he couldn't give anything. The family uh, was told that the reason we were taking Nicholas to Houston was because he'd been through trauma. So he deserved to see a forensic expert
7: to deal with the trauma. Initially, I thought that this was going to be a forensic interview uh, with the intent of uh, finding out more information about the people who abducted him. Here was this pale white kid and I introduced myself. And as he spoke back immediately, my something in me just said this is not right. This, there's something wrong here.
5: I speak with him for a long time. He asked me to repeat all the stories I've been telling everybody. I woke
7: I didn't see the same physiological change in his body posture, in his pupil size, in his heart rate, that I would normally see with somebody who's talking about a tra- traumatic experience. Because uh-huh. you caught yourself, right? He couldn't speak English without an accent. That told me about the development of his brain and the development of language. You just cannot be raised for the first six, seven years of your life in uh, an English speaking home. And later on, you know, eight, nine years later, even 10 years later, uh, not be able to speak English without an accent. I can guarantee you that this kid was not raised in an English-speaking family. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know who he is, but the person who was, I was interviewing could not have been Nicholas boy. Okay, mm-hmm.
8: the worst scenario just showed up, and I don't like that. This investigation did a 90 degree. It just went from one, one place all the way up to another. I neatly called Carrie Gibson, and I said to her, Carrie, Dr. Perry has just stated that this person cannot be your brother for the fact that he cannot be an American. This could be a very dangerous person. She shrieked our screams and said, oh my gosh. So I says, don't be at the airport. You know, I'll handle it. I'll, I'll take care of this individual. And that she did not have to take him home, you know, back to her home to live with him. And she says, okay, okay. We fly back into San Antonio. There's Carrie yeah. standing there. What? Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. She acted like we'd never had that conversation, and she acted excited to see him, asked him how his trip was. I think I just stared for a minute. And I called the U.S. Attorney's Office right then and there, and I said, what do I do? And the Assistant U.S. Attorney said, let him return to her temporarily. She welcomed this person home just like he was her brother. I didn't have any clue as to why she behaved in this manner. Because in my conversation with her, I had said, this person is not your brother.
4: I don't think, I don't remember her putting it in those words.
6: Well, maybe they wanted him so badly to be their son that they said he was their son. But it was starting to get ridiculous. I couldn't let it go there was no way in the world I could let it go I started going into the neighborhood and finding out about the real Nicholas Barclay interviewing the neighbors uh, trying to find out what I could about that boy and about that family and 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 what's going on you know why would Nicholas have left
3: the police used to usually come uh, maybe like um, twice or three times a month Um, Either was argument
4: with the kids or with their boyfriend or
6: with their other son. I spoke to everyone. They all said that, uh, that Nicholas had, uh, had, had caused trouble, had come home late at night. We've all had arguments in our family, but it's rare that we call the police. They're so bad that they have to come. It, it, it made me think there was something going on more than meets the eye. Of course it did.
3: So
8: what's going right on? I knew that DNA samples would prove that he wasn't Nicholas Barkley. <laughs> Mrs. Dollar said, this is my son. I don't have to provide blood samples for you for DNA. And she laid down on the floor, literally laid down on the floor, uh, and said, no, and you can't pick me up and you can't make me.
2: I did not want to go anywhere with the FBI, but I don't remember refusing.
8: I was stunned, i would never had that reaction before. She wasn't just apathetic, she was hostile.
2: To be honest with you, I really have no idea what I was thinking at that time. My main goal in life was not, not to think.
4: We didn't need to prove who he was, we knew who he was.
8: I no longer saw them as a grieving, um, victimized family i saw them as a very questionable family there'd be no reason for them to accept a stranger into their lives um unless there was something to hide that would be the only reason something was being hidden and i didn't know what that was
3: oh shit! here we go When
5: Beverly refused to give her blood sample, I started to become suspicious. They knew that I I wasn't Nicholas. Whatever I was telling them, they didn't believe a word of it, but they were good at not showing it. I mean, who wouldn't see it? I remember in Spain, Carrie did everything for me. When I didn't know something, she told me, you forgot everything, but you're going to remember it now. And, you know, that it was this was mom, what the place we're living in with. Do you remember? Oh, this was Chantal. Remember Chantal. That's, that's, your, that's your niece, my daughter. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Over and over she wanted to put it in my head she wanted to put it in my head so i would never forget she just could not say it's not nicholas did she believe it or not if you asked me i would say no not for a second did she believe i was her brother she decided i was gonna be her brother it's like i woke up in a place where lies is even bigger than what i did you know it's They pretended as much as I did, and even more.
6: Uh Uh-uh. I kept thinking about the kid, Nicholas Barclay. At the time of his disappearance, he was living with Beverly in the house on Swallow Street, and his brother Jason was also living there.
7: Jason, Nick's older brother, when he uh, when he moved into their house, that house changed because before he got there, Nick and his mom seemed pretty close to me. She loved him to death. I mean, she loved him. You could tell she. He was the light of her life. This guy moved in, he was a bum, a drug addict, and he only cared about himself. And uh, when he got into that house, it just made things that much more worse. In fact, uh, I think it even pushed his mom into doing drugs herself when he moved into the house. That house just became a volatile situation altogether.
6: I discovered from the police files a couple of months after the disappearance ...that Jason had called the police and said that his brother had tried to break into the house. Oh! Well, we see that kind of thing all the time. People, people are constantly doing stuff like that to make people think that person's alive. I started to put two and two together and I thought something happened inside that house to that boy.
3: Oh, shit.
5: I didn't need to be Colombo to put all the pieces together. They killed him. Some of them did it, some of them knew of it, and some of them chose to ignore it. I wasn't worried about Nicholas coming back no more.
3: Uh-uh.
8: Neither uh, Nicholas Barclay or his mother were cooperating. So we were gonna have to have a search warrant executed in order to obtain those blood samples.
5: I couldn't pretend no more to be Nicholas and act like Nicholas.
8: I took two or three other agents with me to go pick him up.
5: So inside me, I started getting, you know, more and more aggressive, weird. They couldn't go on.
8: We got the fingerprints and we got the palm prints. Within a few weeks, we would be sending them out to Interpol, to the embassies, to see if any of these fingerprints matched to anything that they had on record.
5: I was trying to find a way out, not only a way out in San Antonio, Texas, but a way out out of my mind.
8: Nicholas was becoming much more agitated and angry, and I really felt like that he was gonna run away. And if he ran away, we might have a very hard time locating him.
6: I started tailing him. I started following him. I started sitting up on Beverly's place where she lived and writing down license numbers of all the cars that came to her, see her.
5: So I took a razor blade and uh, slit my face.
8: Everything was snowballing and snowballing and snowballing.
5: I showed them, showed them that I was under a great deal of pressure.
8: On March 3rd, of 1998, uh, the Ligat in Madrid, Spain, called me and he said, we've just identified him. And I said, you're kidding. He knew that everything
5: was going down and it was just a matter of weeks.
8: He said, what I want to do right now is fax to you the records that I have.
6: He agreed to meet with me. We ordered hotcakes and uh, we started to eat. And he said, uh, I said, you really made your mother angry. And he said, she's not my mother and you know it. And I thought, well, I'll be damned.
8: And so I stood over the fax machine, uh, uh, waiting for, of course, them to to come in because I was screaming and jumping up and down.
6: I actually said, well, I'll be damned. You're gonna finally tell me who you are.
8: I was like doing a dance and everybody was high-fiving and it was just like, you know, we finally we finally know who this person is.
6: And my heart was beating fast, just like it is now, thinking about it. And uh, and I said, Who are you? He said, I'm Frederick Bourdain and I'm wanted by Interpol.
8: The fingerprint cards told me that he was not sixteen, he was twenty-three. That he was not American, he was French, that he was not Nicholas Barclay,
6: he was Frederick Bourdin. We grow up in America thinking Interpol is is kind of the god of the cops. You follow me? That's the highest stuff you can get in cop land. And so I thought, Jesus Christ, if he's wanted by Interpol, what has he done? You know, there's no limit to what he's done. So he began to tell me.
8: Frederick Bourdin? His delinquent activities, and modus operandi.
3: Close identities?
8: Ha! He has traveled throughout Europe, appearing at shelters for minors under different aliases.
9: Frederick Beard, Spain,
8: 1992. Benjamin deanna Spain, September 1992. Jimmy, Jimmy Peter sisters.
9: Manfred, Luxembourg,
8: 1992. Wow! the away from Thomas Wilson, Brussels, 95. Who is in Fernandes, Pyrenees. Alex Ross, from Milan, 1993. kid, Glasgow. I sit there, I can hardly eat, I can hardly swallow my food.
9: Robin Morin, Arnaud Morions. Deportation was issued against him. Mark Sullivan. always
8: glass. Giovanni Petruolo. Martini. Kevin, Thomas Wilson, Peter
9: Sampson, Thomas. Jimmy Sally, Detroit- Peter Robbins 22- James Martin, Frederick Deceased,
8: What the hell? Doran the five of the five of Settle in tonight, because we are about to share with you a story so bizarre, it's hard to believe it's true. This is the tale of a master imposter who managed to lie his way into the United States and prey
0: upon the most vulnerable of people.
9: He's the only person in U.S. history ever to have assumed the identity of a missing child. Fooled even the lost boy's mother. It's hard to imagine how he could have gotten away with it.
2: We knew it was going to be, you know, heart-wrenching and, you know, but we never thought it wouldn't be him. You know, why would you even think that? The first feeling was complete
4: sadness because it wasn't Nicholas, which took us back to square one. Where is Nicholas? That was the first one. Second emotion was... Uh, How can I be so fucking stupid? I mean, seriously.
5: I contacted the SAPD, San Antonio Police Department, and told them, decided to tell them that, hey, they killed him.
8: Based upon Frederick Bourdin's allegations, uh, a homicide investigation was opened and, the allegation was against the family members as being participating in the disappearance of the child.
4: It was related to us that why Frederick was in jail, that he said that my mom confessed to him that her and Jason killed Nicholas and hit the body.
2: Because they accused me first. And it totally freaked me out. Because I... I Then crazy, but never violent.
6: This is the street the kid lived on when he went missing. There's the house, right there. I think the boy's buried here. I want to talk to Daryl inside. He's agreed to let me dig and see if Nicholas Barclay's here.
8: If Beverly knew that this individual was not her son, then she had to have some type of ulterior motive, and it had to be something uh, very scary for her to accept a stranger into her household posing as her own son. I
2: agreed to take a lie detector
8: test. She passed the polygraph. And I said to the polygraph examiner, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand it at all when well, you gave it to her again. So he gave it to her again, and she passed the polygraph. I said, no, there's something wrong. The third time he gave it to her, she flunked every question, I mean, like big time. The polygrapher said the machine practically jumped off the table. Uh, Her answers appeared to be false on everything. And that's when he turned to her and he said, Mrs. Dalhide, uh, it appears that you know where your son is. It appears that you know what happened to him and some other questions. And that's when she became very aggravated, very agitated, jumped up and ran out and was screaming.
2: I lied about being, stealing. And I, um, so that's why I failed. I didn't lie about anything to, to do with Nicholas. It was the other questions. there Charlie Parker.
6: Doing How Parker? you doing? Oh, it's nice. So this is a house, huh?
8: The polygraph led us to believe that, uh, she did have some information um, that she could provide that she refused to. And we felt like Jason had information.
2: Well, if Jason did something to Nicholas, I didn't know about it. And I can't imagine Jason ever doing that, just not in his makeup. But um, I don't know.
4: I know my brother or my mother did not kill Nicholas. Accidentally, on purpose, whatever Frederick said, it never happened.
7: When we first got my dog, he was always digging in the back corner over there where the tree is. And one day I was mowing and saw pieces of plastic, kind of like a tarp kind of material, sticking out of the ground. I tried to pull it up to to get it out and it just kept ripping on me as stuck in the ground. I never paid any attention to it, never gave it any thought until last night when we were speaking on the phone.
6: And the bush has been there for a while.
8: I had initially tried to get a hold of Jason prior to Frederick's arrest and couldn't. And then when I finally did get a hold of him, I asked him about the disappearance of his brother. He just seemed totally apathetic about the disappearance of his younger brother, extremely apathetic, and didn't care that he'd been returned, but when he did see him, no, that wasn't his brother, but he didn't seem interested enough or excited enough to tell his mother and sister, that's not my brother. No, no, they just wanted to believe.
6: Yeah. A good spot, let's see. Let's say he jumps in here first. And then, if he looks up, Yeah, yeah, this is good.
8: He was very hostile, refused to uh, uh, help in any way. And then he later left the drug rehabilitation center and was found uh, having died from a drug overdose.
4: Well, I think that Jason became a perfect scapegoat because he's not here. Oh, wow. He died. So he can't be questioned or, you know, anything. I mean, he can't. He can't even defend himself.
2: It's kind of like a a nightmare. All this stuff is coming at you, and none of it's true. But nobody believes you. You know where they think you have something to do with it, and it's it's like getting in trouble for something you didn't do. And, you know, kids, you, you say, I didn't do it. You're going, yeah, right. But I didn't do it.
8: I do feel like if the family knows the whereabouts of Nicholas Barclay. I think that Beverly Dollarhide and Jason Dollarhide knew at one time what happened to Nicholas Barclay. Just show me one piece of evidence. Show me one thing that will lock anybody
4: in our family up over this. Just one shred of actual proof. Back here, let's go back here. The biggest, funniest one to me, hilarious, is that we went and picked up a complete stranger to hide the fact that we killed Nicholas or someone in my family killed Nicholas. When through four years that Nicholas was disappeared, we were the only ones looking for him. Why would we go pick up a stranger to hide something that didn't need to be hidden? Just another one of his lies.
8: Even from behind bars, he continued to lie to families of other missing children. From this phone in his cell, Ordine made hundreds of collect calls, claiming to have information about lost children. He even said he could help solve the highly publicized case of Sabrina Eisenberg, an infant who was taken from her home in Tampa, Florida last year.
0: Why did you do that? You didn't have any information, did you? No. But you get on this phone, and you're calling all over the world. Yes. What are you doing?
4: He's a habitual liar, and it blows my mind that anybody could take anything that is said out of his mouth is truth.
0: What, this kid comes and says he's Nicholas, and then turns around and says, you, These people that took care of me killed him. How do you come up with that conclusion?
4: He put us through enough already. And then for him to do this while he's in jail for what he's done and to cause more pain to our family? Fuck him.
1: Period. Period. The
4: homicide
3: investigation into the disappearance of Nicholas Barkley was closed due to lack of evidence. Benjamin Bourdain was convicted of perjury and fraudulent obtained passport. He was sentenced to I six years in jail. I what other
5: people were thinking, and what they were feeling. I care about myself, just about myself.
1: And
3: fuck the rest of it. Bourdain was deported to France in October 2003. Three months later, he attempted to steal the identity of a missing 14-year-old. He now lives in France. He has a wife and three children. Wow. So who you bury? While
1: well, they were still
3: digging at the old house. of Barkley is still listed as a missing person. guys this was fucking oh my god look all i'm gonna say is if you're interested in, to watching documentaries or you're learning how crazy people can be and like the aftermath and all this shit definitely watch this it is not for the weak hearted uh, it will piss you off, cause that dude is sick. Definitely fucking sick, and the fact that Nicholas is still missing—like, bro, that was a kid, that was a child. And the fact that he wasn't the only one that you did that to, like, you pretended to be other fucking people. And after the math, you go back to your fucking home country, and you get married, and you're, you're married, and you have kids, and you know you're living your life, and doing this and doing that, like bro. What the fuck was the purpose of all this for? Oh my goodness, but yeah, this has been Banner's podcast, mm-hmm. baby.
1: This your boy Banner.
3: And Danda. And we will catch y'all later. Bye.